Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Oh my. Listen, I, um, I slept okay last night, but I wanted to commit to sleeping really good because today is going to be a really important show and I want to wake up groggy and sounding all discombobulated. Why? Because uh, rarely does my prior line of work and expertise fit in so appropriately for a moment like this. There were a lot of allegations lobbed at the January 6th Star Chamber hearing yesterday. Everything from Trump and the Secret Service to a new scandal brewing. Um, (laughs) I have a very special set of skills, as Liam Neeson said in that movie one time. And uh, I wanted to make sure you heard it from me here today. I'm going to discredit thoroughly a lot of the nonsense you heard yesterday. This is going to be, I'm really excited about the show, as you can tell. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. I've got that. I've got the Democrats making political terror and insurrection great again or trying to do it. Uh, It's going to be a loaded show. Stay tuned. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, Joe, let's go. Here we go, brother. Here we go. Yes, Joe, yes sir. Joe knows I've been excited. So, oh, my. I'm sitting here listening. And um, Kellyanne Conway's husband, George Conway, whose only claim to fame, I think, is being Kellyanne Conway's husband. He had uh, tweeted out yesterday about Cassidy Hutchinson, former aide to Trump chief of staff Mark Meadows, who testified yesterday at the January 6th emergency hearing, Joe. It was an emergency. We had to get this stuff out. I was sitting here. I was on the air as it was happening on my radio show, and I'm watching. And I can see it kind of in the closed captioning, and I'm hearing it during the breaks. And I'm saying to myself, okay, what's the emergency? I don't really get it. Now, George Conway had tweeted out, everyone will remember where they were when Cassidy Hutchinson testified yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I remembered. I was sitting here in the office, and the reason I remember is because the testimony, a lot of it didn't seem to comport with reality. It was an emergency hearing. Had to get that out, fellas. Emergency hearing. It was such an emergency. Now, I was waiting for her to come out with some smoking gun, Joe, that she had found a high-powered rifle in the White House (laughs) that uh, Melania was planning to use at the Capitol or something. I mean, really, I was waiting for some stunning bombshell And what did we get yesterday? We got what appears to be, again, a bunch of fairy tales, including fairy tales about the Secret Service and other things. Now, folks, listen, uh, you know what I did in my prior line of work? I want to just establish bona fides immediately. The Secret Service has a number of different entities. So if you're on the Presidential Protection Division, which is obviously a specific division that protects the president, Presidential Protective Division, uh, in the Secret Service, you may not know much about the vice president's detail. That may sound strange, but you may not. I mean, you know how to do protection. Obviously, you're an agent. You're all trained to the basic standards. But I don't know much about what they call NAVOBS, the Naval Observatory where the vice president lives. I, I've never been there. What do you mean you've never been there? You're a Secret Service agent. Why would I go there? I worked in the White House with the president. I kid you not, I know nothing about it. I know people who work there. They've told me about it. Don't know it. 
So if there were to be a story out there about an infiltration at the Naval Observatory, I can give you kind of better commentary than the media people because I know how protection works, but I can't give you intricate, detailed commentary about NAVOBS because I've never been there. I've been outside. I have a general idea of the overview. You get my point? The reason I say this is because I have very specific on top of specific information right. about the transportation section of the Secret Service, otherwise known as TS, what we call it. Why? Because I was there twice. I was an agent there and I was the whip, which is kind of a quasi supervisory position. You run the section, you do the scheduling, you assign people and you report to a GS-14 supervisor, but you run the section. It's a, it, like I said, it's not an official supervisory position, but you're running the show. It was the greatest honor of my time in the Secret Service to be the whip in TS. I, I'm not kidding. It's a prestigious position. I was honored to take it. It meant the world to me. Probably one of the great honors of my life. Sorry, I didn't mean it, but it's important we understand that. I was there for two years. I know about the limos. I know how it works. Having said that, we're going to address a couple of things that happened yesterday. Political playbook, as you know, I go to them for what left-leaning lunatics are talking about. They put out this morning in their email, these are the stunning, Joe, stunning revelations. I'm glad you included <laughs> that, Guy. In Hutchinson's testimony, Cassidy Hutchinson, aide to Mark Meadows, right? <laughs> and and note, note the headline, January 6th panel may have found a smoking gun. Well, they may have found something smoking, but it definitely wasn't a gun. It may have been a turd, but I'm not <laughs> sure it was a gun. So here's what they found smoking. That Trump knew some supporters on January 6th were armed and didn't care. Okay, that headline, I'll go into the rest of it in a second, but that, that's so ridiculous, exaggerated, absurd, hyperbolic, and stupid that I, I, I don't even understand how even the lunatics at Political Playbook, Lizza and Eugene Daniels, dared to put that in there. Trump knew they were armed and didn't care. To assert such a ridiculous thing, you'd have to be in Trump's head. Um, and you'd have to assume that what people are saying about Trump, despite the fact that they're not under cross-examination, is 100% true. So they note that in Hutchinson's recounting, Trump was talking about the rally on the ellipse. He wanted it packed. So they note that Hutchinson said they were warned by the Secret Service that some Trump supporters were choosing to watch from a distance because they didn't want to go through metal detectors and have their weapons, including ARs and handguns, confiscated. The president was allegedly unmoved. Quote, this is what, uh, what Hutchinson said. The president, she's recounting what she says, Trump said. I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me, Trump said, according to Hutchinson. Okay. Then political playbook notes, if true, that means Trump told the crowd to march to the Capitol to fight like hell, knowing some were armed. Holy Moses. Let's, I'm going to play this audio. I'm going to listen to Now, I want you to be very, I want you to listen very carefully to how this aide to Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff, frames this conversation and how Politico leaps to the conclusion that Trump knew they were armed. It doesn't say that anywhere in here, by the way, and that he wanted them to go to the Capitol armed. The same guy who said march peacefully and patriotically. Listen to Cassidy Hutchinson very carefully how this is couched in very careful legal terms and how Politico gives you this ridiculous headline. Check this out. When we were in the offstage announced tent, I was part of a conversation. I was, in the, I was in the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in. Take the effing mags away. 
Do you notice how she, uh, did you guys catch it? She says, oh, I wasn't really part of the conversation, but I was like yeah. there and I heard it. And he said something, Joe, here's the key line. And she notes Cassidy says, Cassidy Hutchinson says, he said something to the effect of. Yep. To the effect of. So did he say it or not? Listen, I'm not trying to be too cute by half here. Because to the effect of kind of sounds to me like a lawyer advised thing to say to make sure like you're not exactly quoting him and you don't exactly remember what happened. So you're just saying the worst thing possible. That's what that sounds like to me. To the effect of. Now, from my, again, 12 years of experience doing this, ladies and gentlemen, every single president and staffer working for the president I've worked with during my five years on the president de president's detail with Obama and Bush, with working with President Clinton and knowing people working with President Trump, I can tell you for a fact Every single president and their staff wants events packed, just like Trump wanted the ellipse packed on January 6th. Every single president staffer complains about the magnetometers. Listen to me. I get it. I, I'm, I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, a, a, a pretend to be some objective guy. I'm trying to be as objective as possible. I support President Trump. I have. I understand that. I get it that some people portray these comments as biased. I understand that. I'm telling you, take it or leave it, that what I'm telling you is 100% true. I am not going to risk my credibility for anyone. Every single president, every president and their staffers complain about the mags and the flow rate. Every one of them. Every one of them. I was with President Obama when he went to, uh, at the Prudential, Prudential Center, I think it is, where, they, where the uh, Devils, the New Jersey Devils play. He was doing an event for John Corzine, and he was running for governor in New Jersey. The staff complained about the magnetometers there, too. We don't have enough. We don't, meanwhile, the event was short. We had a bunch of wasted magnetometers. They always complain about the mags. Every single president to leap to the conclusion that to the effect of because President Trump was complaining about the flow rate at the mags, which, again, every single president and staff does all the time. That Trump wanted armed people to go attack the Capitol is the single dumbest thing Politico has ever put in its piece. But this is what you could expect from the fake news. Totally fake news. That's not even the worst part. Here's their takeaway number two. Smoking. Like I told you, something's smoking. But it ain't a gun. May not want to get up on that smoking object. Don't get too close. May not like the smoke coming off it. Here's their takeaway number two at Playbook. They're talking about this motorcade story. Allegedly, according to Cassidy Hutchinson, President Trump wanted to go to the Capitol uh, in the, the in this SUV. So I'll talk about that in a second, too. That's important. And because the Secret Service did not have the manpower and didn't have it secured, they didn't want to take him there. So Cassidy Hutchinson's alleging that uh, he, he said that I'm the effing president. Take me to the Capitol now. I'll play her testimony here in a second. But she's alleging also that she was told by Bobby Angle, who I know well, and Tony Ornato, who I know well, work with them in the New York field office, work with them repeatedly on the president's detail. I know these guys very well. I've known them for decades. She's alleging that the president, President Trump, then grabbed the steering wheel of the of the uh, of the SUV, grabbed the steering wheel, Joe, 
So you'll take me to Capitol. I'll drive there myself. The drama. He carjacked the Secret Service. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Here's Cassidy Hutchinson relaying the story. She alleges she was told. Check this out. So once the president had gotten into the vehicle with Bobby, he thought that they were going up to the Capitol. And when Bobby had relayed to him, we're not. We don't have the assets to do it. It's not secure. We're going back to the West Wing. The president had very strong, a very angry response to that. Um, Tony described him as being irate. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engel. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. And was Mr. Engel in the room as Mr. Ornato told you this story? He was. Now notice the to the effect of again. To the effect of. Effect of. Kind of like, I'm not really telling you the real story, but there's some effects laden in there. She does the same thing here she did in the first story about the magnetometer. Takes what's likely a true story. I'm telling you part of it is likely true. Based on my experience and sources. The president was probably upset about the mag flow rate. But to take the mag flow rate complaint, which every president complains about, and to then posit that he wanted armed people to go to the Capitol is such a ridiculous, stupid leap that I'm stunned people like even George Conway, who's not that bright to begin with, would take this at face value. She does it again here. I'm telling you that the president did probably want to go to the Capitol. Okay, probably did. But to then take that story when you weren't there and to tell from then and, and, and to posit from that story that he physically attacked the Secret Service and someone told you that, I'm telling you based on various data points, the story can't possibly be true. Let's go through it piece by piece. Here's an article in The Complex. It says, Trump allegedly tried to grab steering wheel, lunge for agent's throat. <laughs> so stupid. Throat, Joe. Choking the Secret Service. Ah! They're going. Can't see so it, dude. Dumb. No, I can't, I can't see it. <laughs> so stupid. But if you know Bobby Engel, you know like how ridiculous his story. He's the, he was a SAC, special agent in charge of the president's detail. They cover another thing, Hutchinson said per NBC News, that Tony Ornato who was a secret service agent who was the deputy chief of staff, right? Bobby Engel, you got to get the, you got to get all the positions here straight. Hutchinson is an aide to the chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Tony Ornato is a secret service agent. Who's the deputy chief of staff. Bobby Engel, Robert Engel is the special agent in charge of the presidential protective division. So now you understand who the players are. Bobby Engel would have been the closest to the president that day. Tony would have likely been in the white house in his office. So Cassidy Hutchinson says, Tony proceeded to tell me that when the president got back in the beat, got in the beast, 
He was under the impression from Mr. Meadows that the off the record move into the Capitol was still possible and likely to happen, but that Bobby had more information. Okay, well, what's the problem with this story now? Okay, here is video, and I need you to watch this on Rumble, folks. I'm sorry, I know some of you listen, but I need you to go to Rumble and watch this very specifically. Rumble.com slash Bongino. Here is video the day of January 6th after the president left the stage. And you'll notice what Cassidy Hutchinson says, Tony called the beast. I'll address that in a second. What the media calls the limo, the beast, on only the media, right? You notice the president didn't leave in the limo, as we would, as the media would call it. He left in what the Secret Service calls the Camp David package, or what regular, I guess, average folks would call the SUVs. Look for yourself. See it? You'll see this car backstage. You'll see that. Now, I want you to pay very close attention. That's the presidential seals. You'll see it. That's that. The, the, did you see it with the flags on it? That's the, the, the presidential seals. Only the car with the president. Notice every other car does not have the seals. It's just the one with the president. Now, again, this is the kind of thing. If you're an agent, you'll notice these little details. If you're not, you'll miss them. Those presidential seals. I have them right here in my office right here. Seals from the last trip I did. I have the seals and the license plate from the car. They're magnetic seals. They come off the car, not painted on. They only go on the car the president is in. It doesn't matter if it's a Tesla, an SUV, or a limo. Those seals go on the car. There's a little carve out for them where they go. The president is in the SUVs. He's not in the limo, what the media call the beast. The story can't possibly be true. Tony Ornato, who is the deputy chief of staff, who is a Secret Service agent. It's a strange arrangement. Uh, whether you agree with it or not, that's a top topic for another day. But Tony's a good guy. Tony was an agent. He knows the Secret Service better than anyone. He was the sack of the president's detail, special agent in charge, before Bobby Engel. Are you telling me that Tony Ornato told Cassidy Hutchinson that the president got in the wrong car? You see my point, fellas? He didn't get in the limit. He was in the Camp Davids. Right. That didn't happen. How else do I know that this story didn't happen? That Tony did not tell Cassidy Hutchinson that the president got in the beast. Because, folks, if you listen to my show on a regular basis, you know nobody in the Secret Service calls it the beast. Joe, how many times have we said this? Oh. It's like my bet noir. It's like my, right? Wouldn't you agree? It's like, it's, it, it, it's probably, I, it, this story I've said so many times, it candidly probably annoys Joe, just like I used to yeah, reference not, the black swan all the time. Not enough beads on but, the abacus. Yeah. There, no, there's no, not but, enough beads on the abacus to count how many times I have, we don't call it the beast. Nobody calls it that. There is zero chance Tony Ornato mistook the vehicle the president got in number one and then called it something nobody calls it. That is a media thing. I got, I mean, I got to take a break here because I'm getting like, I, this is why I was that mark where I am. I am going to get crazy. <laughs> Let me get to my second sponsor and explain to you how, whenever the media mentions the beast and they say a secret service agent said it, I know they're lying. We don't talk like that. <sighs> These are media people. The one with the Delta 6 fiber and the dev grew. Hit the beast and hit the jackal 46. What are you talking about? Did you just read that in a book? Nobody talks like that. 
If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Okay, back to the story. So Cassidy's saying, Tony Ornato, a trained secret service agent, told her, President got in the beast. Tony would never say that. I am 100% sure we don't call it that. Why did the media call it that? Folks, before we had custom limos, giving you the real story, we used to up armor uh, basically off the rack limousines. You get me? So say the President Clinton era and earlier, we would buy a Lincoln limousine, say, and we would up armor it. Well, what was the problem? The problem with that is adding armor to a standard off the rack Limo is like adding 60 pounds of linings to a suit you bought off the rack. It's going to rip. So we had the Lincoln and we had other cars as well. And the cars were so bad, we used to call it the stinking Lincoln. It wasn't Lincoln's fault. President Clinton loved the Lincoln because it had a lot of leg room. This is some inside baseball. Few people know. We hated it. Again, we called it the stinking Lincoln because we put so much crap on it. The car would break down all the time. It wasn't made for that. After that, we weren't going to do that again. So we went to GM and said, can you customize us a vehicle? Built it specifically for us. Build it specifically for us. So we don't have this issue. The first iteration of that, the Cadillac that you see now, the first iteration of it, we jokingly said looks like a beast. So guys would just laugh and call it like the beast. It was a joke. It was never meant to be a buff term like president get in the piece. We don't call it that. It was a joke. We call them the parades or the limo. And and by the way, the term limo can mean anything. It's whatever vehicle. It's like AF1. Air Force One is whatever plane the president gets in, even if it's a Gulfstream. The limo is whatever the president gets in. Okay, but the beast is a term specifically describing the parades. We call them the parades. Okay. The media picked up on this term, the beast, because media people, a lot of them are losers and they like to feel buffy and important and they want to use jargon to sound like they're in the know. The dip grew Delta 622. You know what I'm saying, Joe? Because they're not real like men. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that scene in, uh, you know, Jive Turkeys, remember trading places? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. This is what they do. Oh, presidents and the beast. I'm telling you, nobody calls it that. It's a joke. Tony would not have said that. I'm sure of it. And he certainly would have mistaken the car. All right, moving on. A couple other reasons this story is not true. That the president lunged for the steering wheel and, and glab, grabbed uh, Bobby Engel's clavicles. There's an agent, even when you're in the SUV package, we call the Camp Davids, which the president was. I showed you the video. There's an agent who sits there between them. You've got the Secret Service agent sack in the right front seat or the boss for the day in the right front seat of limo, a Secret Service agent TS driver, transportation section driver. And you've got another agent in there in the back 
Okay? There is no way all six foot three, 200 plus pounds of President Trump, he's an enormous guy, managed in this rather low ceiling Camp David, fully up armored, to leap out of his seat, bypass the number three agent, make his way through the seats and grab the wheel. There is no way that happened. There is no way it happened. This story, I'm convinced, is just completely inaccurate. She takes a little thing, president wanted to go to the Capitol. All right, point stipulated, probably happened. And turns it into, he physically attacked the Secret Service and grabbed the wheel. That's, that's crazy. You have to understand, even in the SUVs, he's about three feet back from the driver. It's not a standard back seat like you're used to seeing. Second, there's a lot of diagrams, third, fourth, whatever. A lot of diagrams out there. This is what the beast and all the limo looks like. Folks, there is no hard barrier. Here's one of the diagrams I've seen. It indicates here, this diagram, some of it's accurate. I'm not going to say what. A lot of it is total crap, okay? This diagram, you can see it on my Rumble account. It's basically a diagram of the parades, what we call them, the limos, right? What the media only calls the beast. You get the point. It has a bunch of stuff like tear gas here, grenade launch, whatever. And it says that this rear compartment here, and, and it, the president's basically sealed off from the front. Folks, we don't generally close that, okay? Because if the president, God forbid, had a heart attack, the sack has to be able to get into the back seat. So don't, please, like this diagram's making its way around. It's about, it's a few degrees off from accurate. I'll leave it at that. It's one other reason. All right. Now, the story, the crap doesn't end there with Cassidy Hutchinson. Of course, after that, the media, who didn't apply the Bongino rule and actually wait, ran with the magnetometer story. President knew everybody was armed, sent them to the Capitol. Ridiculous. President choked the Secret Service, grabbed the wheel. Ridiculous. Carol Lenning, who wrote a book about the Secret Service, a couple of books. Um, Carol Lenning has had the Secret Service in her sights for a long time. She takes here on Rachel Maddow's show just a disgusting, massive cheap shot at both Tony Ornato and Bobby Engel. And let me tell you something. I know these men. I've known them for decades. Bobby Engel served this country in our military proudly. Bobby Engel's a good, decent, quiet guy. The family guy. He's never been any kind of a troublemaker in the Secret Service. He's not... A company man. He's not a non-company man. He's just a guy. Believes in his family and faith and does his job. He's not going to do anything to ruin his credibility. Now, Carol Linig, who is a media reporter with unquestionable bias against uh, Donald Trump, that dares to go on Rachel Maddow, the PP tape hoaxer, and then take a shot at the character of Engel and Ornato by suggesting like they're yes men for Donald Trump as if they were going to put themselves at legal liability and forfeit their job responsibilities because of the president. This is just disgusting. One of the grossest things I've seen in a long time. Check this out. What do you make of the credibility of those claims and their implications? Such a good question. I'm going to take this in two parts. First off, Cassidy Hutchinson presents herself, you know, as one of the most credible witnesses possible in this way. She had detailed description descriptions of what she heard, what people told her, what she heard herself, what she knew for a surety. And she was very clear about making distinguishing remarks yeah. about how she learned these things. 
the way she learned this particular thing about an alleged altercation was allegedly from Tony Ornato, formerly President Trump's detail leader. Hmm. And uh, so that's important to know. The second part of your that I would would argue and, and, and stress, I should say, the second part I would stress is both of these individuals, Bobby Engel and Tony Ornato, were very, very close to uh, President Trump. And some people accuse them of, at times, being enablers and yes-men of the president, particularly Tony Ornato, very much um, people who wanted to do what he wanted and see him pleased. That's, uh, folks, I'm like red with rage on that. I know these guys. And to have a clearly biased reporter show her bias while claiming other, people's have bi- other people have bias is outrageous. Notice how she takes Cassidy Hutchinson's, well, oh, she's very credible. Look how she knows. I just told you the information she said can't possibly be true. He wasn't in the beast, air quotes. He wasn't there. There's no way Tony said that. And Tony and Bobby Engel, I can guarantee you, will testify that that didn't happen. And you want to take the word of a low-level staffer at the White House who at this point appears to have a grudge against Trump? The irony is you show your bias while claiming everyone else had bias. She doesn't even get that. All right, I got more coming up, including more from this hearing. Believe it or not, it got even worse. I don't understand what point Liz Cheney was trying to make by proving that Nancy Pelosi and the security operation at the Capitol failed. I don't understand what point she was trying to make. Did she miss that too? All right, shockingly, it got worse. We just discredited story one and story two. Here was the third takeaway, but it's not the takeaway Liz Cheney intended. Here, Liz Cheney's talking to Cassidy Hutchinson, again, about testimony she already gave in this emergency meeting. And I don't know what point she's trying to make other than that conservative hosts like Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, and others, and Don Jr., the president's son, didn't like what was happening and warned about the security situation. I, I'm unsure. So, so what, Pelosi and the Capitol Police didn't do it? What point is she trying to make here? Here, check this out. This is a text message at 2.32 from Laura Ingram. Hey, Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. In the next message, this is hurting all of us. And then he's destroying his legacy and playing into every stereotype. We lose all credibility against the BLM Antifa crowd if things go south. The president's son, Don Jr., also urgently contacted Mark Meadows. At 2.53, he wrote, he's got to condemn this ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough. As you will see, these are just two of the numerous examples of Trump supporters and allies urging the president to tell his supporters to leave the Capitol. I, again, I'm, I'm unsure the emergency, keep in mind, Joe, this is an emergency hearing with alleged smoking gun information. That's right. Your information is that prominent conservative talk show and cable news hosts didn't like what was happening and neither did the president's son. I either did I. Am I folks, am I missing something? I don't understand what her point was. Her point is what? That 
we didn't condone what was happening. I, how does this, I'm not, I, uh, I, I, I can't, I don't understand folks. I, I don't know. I don't understand the point she's trying to make. She also went on to talk about Cassidy Hutchinson saying that people knew and Mark Meadows thought there may be violence. Well, if there may have been violence and what the hell was the Capitol police and Pelosi doing? Am I explaining this right? I mean, am I? Yeah. What, what's, what's the point? That people thought there was going to be violence and nobody did anything at the Capitol? And then that when there was violence, that conservatives called it out? I, wow, damning. Boycott them all. Now, if she would have had a text, you guys probably agree. She would have had a text from Hannity and Ingram and Don Jr. saying, burn it down, mother effers. I'd be like, oh, well, that's a problem. Yeah. Her, what was the point? Let me tell you what the point. He said he doesn't get Nobody gets it. I'll tell you what the point was. I'm, I'm, unlike Cassidy Hutchinson, I got to admit I'm speculating because I can't get in Liz Cheney's head, right? But I'm reasonably confident. Liz Cheney knows she's a disaster. She's a disgrace to humankind. She's a disgrace even to a disgraced family name. She knows that. She knows she's going to lose. And she knows Hannity and Ingram don't like her. And she just wanted to embarrass them by putting their texts on TV. That's, that's, that's the only reason you'd put up something so dumb. That they objected to this. All right, again, the hearing got worse. Here's the last piece of video, and then we'll get to a few other things. This, I mean, this is a level 72 disgrace. I mean, I don't even know how to describe this disaster. So in the United States, you have the right because we have adversarial hearings in the United States, you can't be accused of a crime without allowing your, your accuser to be cross-examined. As the accused, you retain the right constitutionally to not speak what we would call plead the fifth. Why is that? Have we talked about this? Why do you think that is? Well, again, having been a law enforcement officer, what our founding fathers, who were geniuses, didn't want is they didn't want confessions being beat out of people. Hey, Armacost, did you rob that bank? No, Dan, I was doing your show. He said, Joe, let me ask you again as I stick the knife in his side. Did you rob? Yes, I robbed it. I robbed it. So our founding fathers, who were geniuses, who had experienced a lot of this garbage under monarchy and tyranny, said, we are going to retain a constitutional right for a subject not to speak. And clearly that constitutional right implies nothing about guilt at all. You have no obligation whatsoever to speak. As a matter of fact, in a criminal court proceeding, it happened in the Rittenhouse trial. Remember that? I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, the, one of the lawyers mentioned that one of the clients had pled the fifth and implied, implied guilt. The judge lost his mind over it. He's like, what are you, crazy? You can't bring that up in court. Folks, that's Charlie Brown Encyclopedia Law 101. When someone pleads the fifth, it carries no implication of guilt whatsoever. Even a mention of it in a proper adversarial he hearing is considered grounds to like toss the case sometimes. Here's the disgraceful, disgusting Liz Cheney, a genuinely grotesque, horrible embarrassment to humankind in the cosmos, a filthy human being who can't lose by a big enough margin to Harriet Hageman, showing video of a U.S. Uh, of, of someone who served the United States, heroically, Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, pleading the fifth. She had to make sure she showed this. Here, check this out. General Flynn, do you believe the violence on January 6th was justified? 
Is that, can I get a clarification? Is that a moral question or are you asking a legal question? I'm asking both. I said, I, I said, but. Do you believe the violence on January 6th was justified morally? Take the fifth. You believe the violence on January 6th was justified legally? Fifth. Now, you may say fairly enough. Well, damn, why are you showing it again? I'm showing it for different reasons. Mike Flynn can and should plead the fifth all he wants when he deems appropriate. Carries no implication of guilt whatsoever. He's under no obligation whatsoever to speak to this disaster of a human being, Liz Cheney. I play it again because I think that video makes Liz Cheney look terrible, not Mike Flynn. Notice, if you're watching it on Rumble, how Liz Cheney plays a video, did you catch this, Joe, of Liz Cheney interviewing Mike Flynn. In other words, she's yesterday, she's playing a video of herself that she'd already done in the past just to make sure Mike Flynn knows. This is why I believe she put the Ingram and Hannity thing up too, the text, and Don Trump Jr. She just wants to embarrass Mike Flynn because she's disgusting. Disclosure? She is a genuinely disgusting. Oh, she I, I, just no, wants to make. I took twelve make seconds look out. Uh, there was twelve seconds of dead air. I want our listeners to know that. Oh, okay, okay, thank you. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, no problem. I that's that's good. But that's exactly the gist of that. The whole you know core of that is intact. It goes on, and there's a couple more to the fifth too. But that's why I put that in there. It's important. That's Liz Cheney trying to humiliate this patriot. This is a disgusting person. Now, again, the media seems to be attacking the credibility like Carol Lenig of Tony Ornato and Bobby Engel. Oh, I don't know. We've heard rumors they may be yes men. Yet notice the credibility problems. You guys catch this? Seems to be going only in one direction towards Cassidy Hutchinson. The B story, the mag story to the effect of, well, it gets worse. Cassidy Hutchinson says, hey, listen, I wrote this note. I wrote this note after the January 6th, uh, the violence had broken out, right? And I wrote this note to the president. Well, even ABC News had to say, ah, did you write that note? Not really sure. ABC News, Trump White House attorney disputes Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony about a handwritten note. They note in the article that at Tuesday's hearing, Hutchinson testified about the note. The note said, uh, she said, that's a note that I wrote at the direction of the chief of staff on January 6th, likely around three o'clock. And it's written on the chief of staff note card, but that's your handwriting, Mrs. Hutchinson, Cheney asked. That's my handwriting, Hutchinson replied. She's alleging she wrote a note to President Trump about what to say during, his, during January 6th. Well, what's the problem? Problem is, she didn't write the note. Quote, the handwritten note that Cassidy Hutchinson testified was written by her was, in fact, written by Eric Hirschman on January 6th. A spokesperson for Hirschman told ABC News Tuesday evening, all sources with direct knowledge and law enforcement have and will confirm that the note was written by Mr. Hirschman, a spokesperson said. Again, folks, it's not one detail she got wrong. It's not two. It's pretty much all the major details. She's either exaggerating or appears to have gotten wrong. Folks, this is why we have adversarial hearings. This is why witnesses are cross-examined. This is why we presume innocence until proven guilty. None of that's happening here. You have a one-sided account where people like me, after the fact, and Joe and Guy and others who work on the show, where we have to, after the fact, go in to dig into the credibility of the witness because there's no lawyer there to question her. 
a lawyer could have questioned. You really wrote that note? Because Eric Kirschman's saying he wrote it, and so over a bunch of other sources. Wait, you said Tony said he went in the beast. Tony, did you say that? No, I didn't say that. What's the beast? Here's video of him getting an SUV. Does that look like what you call the beast? He testified that uh, he wanted the mags down. Did he really say that? Because he's saying otherwise. This is why we have adversarial hearings. Let me bring up one final point, which again, the media seems to want to attack these decorated secret service agents, but doesn't want to attack the credibility of a witness who seems to not be able to get the story right. Here's a Bloomberg article from January 14th of 2021. Trump plans to live at Mar-a-Lago, employ some current aides. This article is written after January 6th. It's January 14th, 2021 for the liberals who are listening. Trump aides who may work for him after the White House include Nick Luna and Trump's body man, and then Molly Michael, a deputy assistant to Trump, and Cassidy Hutchinson, an aide to chief of staff Mark Meadows, the people said. Gosh, that's weird. A week after January 6th, Cassidy Hutchinson, who implies yesterday with a wink and nod that Trump was physically attacked the Secret Service with some kind of like insurrectionist, wanted armed people to go to the Capitol, wanted to work for him. Weird, Joe, right? Strange. Yeah. I want to go down to work for him. My gosh, I'd want to get away from him as soon as possible. The insurrectionist in chief, man, <laughs> away from that guy. Kind of strange. All right, let me get to my last sponsor. And I want to play one of the best supercuts I've seen in a long time. Joe, Democrats making insurrection and political terrorism great again. Yeah. No. <laughs> this is the, <laughs> now, this is the perfect, this is the perfect kind of coup de gras here, right? This is it. The Democrats who encourage political violence and terror, a lot of them, not all of them, whenever they can, not all of them, but a lot of them, they want you to believe through the January 6th emergency hearing yesterday that it's Donald Trump who's the insurrectionist in chief. This video nails it down. Okay, here it is. The Democrats are doing this emergency meeting in light of the uh, Roe hearing because they feel like violence may be around the corner before the 2022 elections. So they want to make sure they switch the narrative back to Trump insurrectionists choking Secret Service agents. They're really the party of political terror and violence. Here, you need the supercut? Check it out. This is fascist in many ways. This decision and this policy will kill people. There is a war out there, and we need to recognize that we've got to armor up. I got the pitchforks, you get the gas and the torches. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. We have to build the Right now, elections are not enough. Get angry! This far-right racist, uh, 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 sexist Supreme Court that made this decision based upon politics. This court has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy they may still have had. This is a crisis of legitimacy. This decision is delegitimizing the Supreme Court. Who is Clarence Thomas? Is he my Saudi Arabian father who's going to tell me what I can and cannot do with my body? A lot of people who believe this is a rigged court. I'm just convinced we need to burn it all down. Because at this point, I don't know what else we're supposed to do. Be prepared to live in defiance of these six people. I'm advocating for violence. I am advocating for violence. If you want rights in this country under this conservative Supreme Court, you better be a cis hetero white man or an Uzi.
because those are the two things that this court believes have have rights. This is really not just about abortion. This is about just an attack on on modern America as we have come to know it. <laughs> He's watching that show. He's like, my brain hurts. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so we get this whole hearing yeah. yesterday uh, full of falsehoods, misinformation, disinformation, trying to paint you, the MAGA supporters, right? Trump supporters and conservatives as a bunch of violent political terrorists. Yet in the same hearing, Liz Cheney exposes a bunch of texts from the alleged leaders of the political terrorism condemning violence, <laughs> condemning violence. While at the same time, over the last few weeks, we have this supercut of Democrats calling for violence, calling the Supreme Court illegitimate, calling to pack the Supreme Court, telling people they're all racist if they're not white, cis, whatever that means. About it, it, it's, you understand this is the flip of theory. They accuse you of what they're doing. All right, moving on. Uh, last story of the day with uh, some commentary on Hillary Clinton afterwards and some video her. We got a hero of the day and the goat of the day. We haven't done this in a long time. We have heroes of the day, plural. Uh, LA Times has this article, Christy Karras. Halsey, she's a performer, very talented, very good music, but uh, apparently is a big supporter of death in the womb. Halsey says good riddance to concert, concert goers leaving the show during an abortion rights speech. Excellent. Yep. Thank you. See ya. Thank you, man. To the sayonara, baby. Sayonara. Listen, do not accept this culture of death. I told you this happened to my daughter. She was at a concert. She was with my wife. Uh, she was disgusted. I'm not going to say who, but she was at a, it was just, it was just disgusting. There was some political pitch made. And that was it. That was the end of that. I told my daughter, you want to go back there? You go back, but you're not going with my money. And your mom is definitely not going with you. To all the people who spent money on that concert, Joe, oddly enough, expected to be entertained by good music. And she's a talented singer. Yeah. Uh, very talented. Um, and then got a political speech about killing babies in the womb. Good for you. It's going to take more of this. You're brave souls. I appreciate that. You took time out of your day. You probably spent a fortune on those tickets. Halsey gets up, starts talking about whacking kids in the womb. Nah, we're not doing that. They walked right out. You're my heroes of the day. Thank you. We need more of that. We got to go to the day, too, and I don't mean greatest of all time. I mean, like, bah, go to the day. Here's Hillary Clinton in one of the most racist things I've heard in a long time. Because she disagrees with Clarence Thomas, again, there are liberals listening, who happens to be black. He's a Supreme Court justice. Liberals are like uh, shocked. They don't know that. Right. Here's Hillary Clinton claiming Clarence Thomas, Joe, the angry black guy. <laughs> Check the vote. So racist. Check this out. Justice Thomas has sort of floated that out there about contraceptive rights, yes. contraception, and about same-sex marriages. But other justices have pushed back to say, no, he's really sort of on his own with that. Well, Don't he believes that? Well, he may be on his own, but he's signaling, as he often did. You know, people, I went to law school with him. Mm -hmm. He's been a, a person of grievance for as long as I've known him. Resentment, grievance, anger. Oh, this is priceless. Jeez. This is priceless. Two points. Number one, the angry black man stereotype is about one of the most racist things. And what is with the left and black people? I don't know. Remember LA Times? Was it LA Times yesterday? I don't know what we're going to do with all these black people getting guns. What do you mean? What are we going to do? Allow black people to exercise their Second Amendment rights? What are you implying? 
What are we going to do when we give all these black people school choice? They can't, they can't, they, air quotes, can't figure it out, Joe. They don't know what's best for their kids. Notice I didn't say that about white parents. Clarence Thomas, you know, Clarence Thomas, black, he's very angry. Grievance hustler, you know, like most of those black men. Hills, that sounds kind of racisty. Joe, racisty to you? Oh, yeah. Gee, racisty? Gee saying yes on the racisty too? Yeah, the voter, voter, I forgot about that voter ID. Yeah, those blacks. Those blacks can't figure out how to get a driver's license. Sounds kind of racist to me, fellas. This is like, be a conservative. Be so proud of yourself that we are on the side of God-given rights for all of our brothers, our brothers and sisters. Black, brown, whatever color of your skin, be proud of that. Be proud of that. They are always welcome in our movement. Our black brothers, our Hispanic brothers, our Asian brothers, Muslim, Jewish brothers, you are always welcome in our movement. If you believe in liberty and freedom, we will embrace you with open arms. I want you to notice this other side. That's how they talk about you. Second point on that quick. Grievances? Oh my gosh, Hillary Clinton talking about grievances. From our time in the White House. With the, remember the Joe? Remember the great right-wing conspiracy? Oh, yeah. Remember that? When they, There's a great right-wing conspiracy going after my husband, President yes, Clinton. Yes, yes, To the servers in Ukraine, to yep. the Clinton... Uh, uh, Christopher Simpson, Christopher Steele thing, to the collusion thing, to the PP tape, to they stole the election. This is the queen of grievances. Talking about grievances, hard pass, Hills. We'll take a pass on that one. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we got a special show lined up for you this weekend on my Fox show. Please set your DVR. Uh, 9 p.m. You're going to love it. Be a bit of a surprise. I think you're going to like it. Set it Saturday, 9 p.m. And don't forget to check out my radio show later. We really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. I hope we discredited all that nonsense about the Secret Service. It's BS. See you on the radio show later. You just heard Dan Bongino.